Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your hosts, Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. I'm your Associate Director of Disciples Men, Alex Ruth. Glad to be with you today. And as always, we have with us our Director of Disciples Men, Greg Alexander. Greg, good to spend some time with you today. Hey, Alex, always good to spend time with you. Looking forward to our conversation today. I am as well. So we've talked uh, the past couple times. uh, We've been talking about... Uh, these five touchstones uh, of men's ministry. So, so far we've talked about being loving and serving, and that brings us to our third touchstone, which is faithful. A disciple's man is faithful. And so that's our topic for today. And uh, Greg, I'll just turn it over to you and let us let you kind of start us off on talking about um, this mark of being a disciple's man. Well, faith and faithfulness is certainly a huge topic uh, within the church. It is uh, one of the pillars of, of, uh, of our relationship with God is having faith in who God is and who God uh, calls us to be and trying to live accordingly. Right. Um, I was going to ask you a question about this. Okay. To get us to get us started, and uh, when was the first time faith was on your radar screen? When mm. you, as a as a concept, as a construct, that you knew you were a person of faith. Hmm. I would have to say that probably for me that would have been um, early adolescence, probably in the teens somewhere. Um, that I was uh, involved in my church in a way that had me thinking about um, faith and faithfulness. Um, so yeah, probably in my probably in my teens. I'm thinking especially around activities, um, as with so many ministers um, of our generations. Uh, that was around summer camp. Um, uh, some really good experiences of, of understanding um, the importance and kind of centrality of, of faith in God, uh, faith in Jesus uh, in, in those early years. In, in your mind, are you making a distinction between belief and faith? I think so. Because um, I, I think I would put belief a bit, a bit earlier. Um, I would put my belief back in my childhood, probably around age 10 or so, um, believing that there was a God. Um, and I think I was learning more in my teens, um, maybe junior high, high school, um, faith and faith in a way that, um, was an assurance of God's not only the reality, but the presence mm-hmm. of God. I think for me, that's that's where faith differs from belief. I like the concept of, of presence. Uh, I certainly would concur with that. I've often 
um, I've often thought in my own mind that belief is kind of a, a head nod. Yes. To something's existence. And, you know, someone says, uh, you know, do you believe in God? Well, sure. You know, I've right. never had a reason not to. Right. When we talk about faith, then it, then it becomes, who is this God to you? And right. Why does that matter? And uh, what does what does that relationship that you are forming with God require of you? And mm-hmm. uh, and for me, I would say it requires faith, faith in who God is, faith in who God um, wants me to be, and faith in the process of how I become that that person. I mean, I am I'm putting putting trust my whole self into uh, you know into that uh, uh, desire, right. Of, you know, to fulfill that relationship and uh, to have faith, not just believe, but to have faith that it is the right thing for me to do in my life. And I, I do find, um, I know you have in your parish ministry time too, that we seem to have people who are quite comfortable with belief. Right. Filling our pews. And thanks be to God, we have saints in our church who have deep faith. I, I think I would be hard-pressed to say that everybody in the churches I've served, even people who are active in the church, were people, were, I believe they were more people of belief than people than of faith. faith. Yeah. And uh, again, I don't, I don't really want that to be a statement of judgment. That's not the intent, but it's just really to make a distinction. The people, the people of faith were the people who sacrificed time, resources, uh, were people who were quite willing to share their gifts and graces, almost at the drop of a hat, in response to whatever the church or another person required of them. And I found that the people who operated more from sort of a belief perspective had to squeeze the church in around everything else. Church, church had right. a place they, that occupied in their life but it was pretty much limited to the space they allocated uh, right. for the church. And, I, and that may be, again, unfair, but I do think that both of those, you know, I think that does is further, uh, further clarification on the difference between belief and faith. And, you know, the, how does that impact how we lead our lives, the decisions we make every day, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I like that distinction and the way you're kind of drawing that uh, out for us um, because it does point to uh, points to the experience, right? Of faith um, that belief is fairly easily compartmentalized. I can believe something, what I have faith in then prompts me to act on that faith in a given way. Right. Um, I, and I'm trying to think of a, of a, a handy example. You know, I, I can, well, let me do this. Um, I can believe that eating um, healthy food will make me a healthy person. I don't know that I always have faith in that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it's a bad analogy, but well, it isn't because if you have faith in that concept, Right. You would respond accordingly. Right. You would change your eating habits in order, yeah. uh, you know, to experience the health benefits of that belief. Which I, I guess maybe I need to I, I need to do some work on my belief and faith in that issue. <laughs> uh, at least my doctor would tell me that. Uh, Don't but, we all? 
<laughs> but um, but it, it it moves us beyond being uh, you know Sunday Christians to to uh, something that I think we talked about recently um, in in that our faith is then uh, pervasive in our lives. Yeah, uh, that yeah. it is not limited to to an experience on a Sunday morning, um, right. but right. it is uh, something that happens more uh, continually. Well, I, yeah, I think not only continually, but I think it's it begins to define and shape who we are. Yes, yeah, and um, uh, and again, I I would I think that's one of the issues that I've observed as we've seen the decline of the church. Uh, you know, in our lifetimes, and again, we don't need to rehearse that. Everybody's aware of that statistic, but it does seem to me like the one of the problems, one of the PR problems the church has dealt with, is that our how we presented ourselves to the world beyond the walls of the church was in belief. Mm-hmm. What the world was looking for out of us was faith. Yes, you know the the uh, assurance of things hoped for. <laughs> uh, or whatever however that you know yeah. the uh, Hebrews passage go and uh, uh, and I don't think that I don't think that's been as visible or as convincing as the world beyond us needed it to be or needs it to mm-hmm. be yeah and um, um, it's been it's been something that I have wrestled with now for quite some time and right. uh, you know, your, your work in regional ministry, my former work in regional ministry is, you know, you said in a place where you observe the church in its breadth and depth, you know, um, and it's a privilege to, to be able to sit yeah. there and see, see all that. But it's also heartbreaking when right. you see the potential, you know, the marvelous potential God has given to our communities of faith and it never, it, the energy to get there is lacking. Right. Or the faith maybe to get there is lacking. And um, so I, I, I think we need to take some, I think we need to own, uh, especially my generation of clergy. I think we need to own the fact that we probably were much more, uh, much more capable of sharing our belief than our faith, at least beyond the walls of the church. I think, you know, Clearly, in within the church, uh, you know, you you were a beloved pastor where you were, uh, you know, and your church, the, your church benefited from your faithfulness. Right, right. But the question is always, where, how does that, how does that, or does it translate beyond the walls of the church right. into the communities we're trying to reach? And I, I think that would be an interesting study, sometime to see. Um, what we need to do for the faith we assume on the inside of the church to be powerfully visible outside the church. I, I think you're touching on something there that, or at least this makes me, makes me think of this. Um, I have a friend who uh, fairly consistently will remind folks that um, his ability to read their minds is about as good as their ability to read his. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so sometimes I think we've gone on this assumption that everyone else understands our faith and somehow knows what has gone into building that faith. 
Um, and we are not always as good about having that conversation about uh, sharing with others. Uh, we could use the word witnessing to our faith mm -hmm. um, with others uh, about how things transformative things have happened uh, in our lives. Uh, and as I say that, I'm as guilty as anybody. Yeah, um, we both are. Yeah. You know, I, I recognize my own complicity in that, um, that I, that I haven't always shared, um, for a number of reasons, um, have not felt comfortable sharing my faith that broadly. Um, and, uh, it, it, it but I think it is something that, uh, you're right. It is, is foundation of of how we create and grow as communities of faith is our focus has been on belief, um, maybe too much over and opposed to uh, to faithfulness. And you know the downside of belief. I mean, there. I mean, especially it's you know it's, it's a. It's a weaker version of faith in one sense, I guess you could right. say. But, but also we know from experience that when you start talking about belief, belief becomes statements. Mm, Beliefs become yes. have tos or can't dos or, uh, you know. So we use that to set the you know the criteria the criteria of judgment as to, um, you know, who is uh, acceptable, who isn't, uh, you know, who who meets the qualifications of this role in the church and who doesn't. Right. And whereas, at least my own, in my own mind, when we talk about faith, faith has its own criteria. Mm. And, and I would say that, you know, that faith's measure of uh, how one measures faith is how one practices the two great commandments, you know, because it's, you know, you don't, you don't have to have a dogma in place in order to love a neighbor as right. you love yourself. And I think right. that's... Uh, when we when we reduce ourselves to nothing but belief statements, then we're creating you know the laundry list of do's and don'ts that gives us gives whoever is determining the value of that list power, and subordinates everybody else to that list. And if you believe in God as an equal opportunity employer, so to speak, an equal lover of all, uh, those kinds of belief statements really are quite offensive. Well, and as as we're talking, I'm thinking also that. I have belief in things and faith in, and I'm going to have to use this word fairly broadly, but faith in people mm -hmm. um, or faith in beings with whom I have a relationship. Yeah. So faith in God, I have faith in my spouse. I have faith in my friends. Um, I don't have faith in my office chair. I believe my office chair exists and I believe it will hold me up when I sit in it today and tomorrow. Um, but I don't have faith in it. Um, and so faith also has with it um, a relational component mm -hmm. uh, that we sometimes don't, or I, I don't know that I've always fully recognized. Yeah. Would you say trust is the foundation element of faith? I would say they're at least interrelated. Um, on the spot, 
yeah, I think it, I think it is fairly, uh, fairly foundational that being able to trust and, and faith, almost synonyms, mm-hmm. uh, for me, um, I trust, I have, have an assurance often because of prior experiences, um, and you kind of know how somebody else is going to react. Um, right. When we, when we put this in the context of men's ministry, and then again, I want to kind of take us a little bit yeah. there. Um, people who listen to us on our podcast, especially the podcasts that found that, you know, set, established a foundation for our work with the Jesus way. Um, we'll remember uh, that. Um, one of the one of the things that we discussed, I don't remember which podcast now, but um, our my experience and I, you share your own when it when it comes to working with men, we have a problem when it comes to a man's ability to become vulnerable mm. with the other men in the room. Right. We notice that in every setting, you know, uh, where men gather and you know what now i know where we had this conversation is in the competition when we talked yep. about competition yeah and uh because you know when you are raised in a in a competitive society like ours is as a capitalist nation uh, you know uh, uh, we're all competing for you know the, the goods and services we're all competing for this and that we've been taught to be competitors from the, from the day we were born and if i see if i'm if you and i are pastors and we're you know uh both of us are climbing the aspirational ladder of ministry yep well there's only so far only so far i can trust you right because at some point in time we may both be competing for the same position Mm -hmm. and if i give you give my competitive advantage away to you uh you know then uh that may cost me a job right and so, uh, you know, that plays out in a multitude of, of, of scenarios for, for men. And so, consequently, we, you know, we believe in God, but we're not real sure that we put a lot of trust. We may even trust in God. We may have faith in God. But, but when it comes to how that manifests relationally with the people around us, right. there seems to be a barrier uh, for men, I, again, I have no idea if this is true for women. I suspect it may be less true, uh, but you know that's not my field of study. Right. But for men, but, but for men, it's always been an obstacle, especially when you're talking about you know things of of the spirit, you know spirituality for men, because spirituality, develop deepening one's spiritual relationship with God requires some you to be vulnerable right. to the you know, the spirit in your life and. And um, if our men's gatherings are constantly one of posturing, you know, always making sure our guard is up, always making sure no one says a word that, you know, that brings the guard down, if we're always on the alert, I would say that it's hard to define that as, as um, faith, at least in that context, because right. our trust level in each other is so small. Now, having said that, I do think that we have seen the dial move on that some, especially with younger generations. Yes. You know, my generation was horrible about that. But I've even seen that, I've even seen that move in uh, 
of late, um, you know, you, you know that I keynoted a men's retreat in Texas right. for the Southwest men uh, last month. And these were, uh, these are mostly uh, older men, uh, you know, long time, mostly long time members of their churches. Um, we had uh, a group of motorcyclists who were there uh, uh, at Christian Outlaws motorcycle group, which was fascinating and a, just an extraordinary rich experience having those guys there. And they were younger. But what I discovered, because all it was all small group work, as you and I have been doing in most of our retreats right. now, is that the 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 trust and the faith in the men around the room was quite high, higher, mm -hmm. I think, than I had seen it maybe before in men's retreats. There's almost always some posturing that takes place somewhere. Right. I never saw it this time. I never, I never saw men on, 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 on the defensive or on guard uh, for fear of some say, if someone, if some, something was said that, you know, that um, required a tear to be shed, the tear was shed. Right. without embarrassment and the desire to have to deepen the relationship with the people who had gathered was very very real it has none nothing to do with work i did but had everything to do with who those men were right and i i was really heartened by uh by that experience and was kind of feeling like i wish i knew how to bottle this you know so that yeah. we could we could make it more available beyond uh beyond this particular setting for the, for, you know, the rest of the men that we work with and serve in our ministry. And, uh, but historically, I do believe that men have operated far more, at least when they're together, at least in gather in a gathered setting that uh, operated far more on God as a belief, a statement of belief than God as a, as a, as as a uh, one's faith in god that transformed life and right. uh, because you you saw way too many of the social barriers stay in place i, I yeah. kind of i kind of rambled there a little bit bring us back here <laughs> well uh, i i think we're we're not too far off the mark i don't think um because one aspect of being faithful is is our faith in God. And we can talk a little bit more about Romans three, um, because I think that is important. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has been foundational for some of our work. Um, but, uh, in the best scenarios of men's ministry of any ministry, it's not only our faith in God that matters, but it's our faith in the other people that were on this journey with. Mm -hmm. So in your example, you know, the faith of everyone at that retreat in everyone else of holding that safe space of being willing to be vulnerable in those. And quite frankly, that is a difficult have faith in, in our fellow people, fellow men, um, can be difficult sometimes right. because we've been burned. We've been in right. those situations where faith has not been kept, um, where confidences have not been kept and, and we've been wounded by that or where posturing uh, becomes uh, morphs into bullying or, you know, any number of things that we've, we've probably all experienced. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
I, I was thinking, um, going back to that retreat and what you just said, the, um, one of the, one of the gentlemen who really contributed beautifully throughout the group, but when he started the retreat, he, he did posture and he essentially said that he didn't see anything that was of value that was going to come out of this for him. And I, it was in response to the opening, my opening statements about the nature of the retreat. And I've done this long enough. I don't get too flustered by that. You know, either you will or you won't. And that's between you and God. And, uh, but what was really remarkable, I don't remember. It was uh, the last, it was the, the, the last second to the last session that we had together. Uh, we had our small group in the time of plenary where people were sharing what they experienced in their small group. And it has something to do with where we go from here, I think was kind of the nature of it. And this gentleman um, stood up, literally stood up in the room. And he said, I think, I think what God is calling me to do is to quit complaining and be more proactive about how we write the situation we're experiencing here in the state of Texas. I have no idea his politics. I have no idea who, where, who he was aligned with. That was not part of the, of the, of the conversation, no. but clearly, but clearly he felt that there was things that had gotten way out of whack, uh, you know, uh, for them and their culture in, in the community where he lived and felt that God was compelling him to be, uh, to, to, you know, to exercise his voice and whatever other influence he had to begin to try to make a difference to. And, and all of this was in response to his faith in God and the people around him. Yeah, right. He, he, being, being immersed in that um, environment allowed him to, to grow in faith that it was a safe space to experience whatever God um, was going to say uh, to and through him in right. that moment. And, right. And we, we were talking about trust and that was one of the things that was clearly that made that possible was that the trust level in that group. Right. Rose quickly and was extremely high. And uh, it, it became a safe space for every man in the room. And, um, and again, not, not every man shared intimately. I don't mean to imply that, but watching what was taking place in the small groups, every man connected in those circles. Yes. And, you know, with the other men and that, that I can testify to. And, um, and there was a lot of care, a spontaneous prayer. Yep. You know, I don't know what was said, but someone expressed some kind of need and they would just sort of stop and pray for the individual. And, um, you know, I don't, I, in my early years in men's ministry, I don't remember those experiences. Right. They may have happened. I, I, not, I don't remember, but they, they were pretty infrequent if they did happen. And um, yeah. so, yeah, it's we, we want to make sure, you know, why this faith is a touchstone for, you know, us going forward. Is we want to make sure we communicate, you know, to the to the men's leadership, you know, moving from this point on. Is that a manifestation of faith is understood to be part and parcel of your role as a leader in men's ministry for a Christian church disciple of Christ. Right. It, it has to, um, what is it? Uh, I think it has to be evident, right? Your mm-hmm. faith has to be 
uh, evident in the way in which we live our lives. Yeah. Um, which is also touching on, and I think we've talked about this probably in one of our early uh, podcasts as well. It touch, touches on that really important uh, translation choice uh, in Romans. Of, mm -hmm. Do we have the faith in Jesus or do we seek to have the faith of Jesus? Right. Um, and those are two wildly different things. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they don't cancel each other out. They're both no. required. <laughs> no. Yes. It just is that we've, you know, uh, I think that the, because it's the, almost all the translations I've ever read translate, you know, to the objective genitive faith, the faith in Jesus Christ. Right. It's equally correct for, to do the subjective genitive, which is to have the faith of Jesus Christ. Why, why would biblical translators translate it, always translate to have faith in Jesus Christ? So the answer is simple, because it removes some responsibility to me in my faith relationship with God. Right. I let Jesus do all the heavy lifting. I have right. faith in what he's going to do for me. Right, right. If you use the subjective genitive, that changes everything, because now it's a matter of Jesus having faith in me living out his kind of faithfulness in God that he demonstrated, modeled for all of us. Now the right. burden is on me to do the work. And right. I do believe that we have paid a heavy price, uh, you know, for many generations, not just ours, uh, uh, by us uh, ignoring, uh, you know, both sides of that, uh, of that statement. Right. Yeah. And it is not mutually exclusive. Um, like you said, it, it, it's a, it's a both and, um, not an either or we yes we do need to have faith in jesus um and, but we also need to strive for the faith of jesus right yeah i, um, I mean we 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 have faith that, or we've had faith in jesus that he lived uh, died and rose for us i mean that we, we put our absolute faith and trust in that statement yeah. as, as as his followers and uh but it's only when we say that I have the faith of Jesus Christ that I begin to I begin to incorporate what he taught and how he lived his life into my own. And that takes us back to kind of where we began the difference between belief and faith. Yeah, and and it's important, I think, uh, or we can't overemphasize uh, the the importance of being intentional about creating spaces in ministry and men's ministry in particular where the where faith is able to be grown uh developed matured uh, because we know those spaces are safe and the trust becomes high right um, you know entering into those spaces making sure that everyone's um everyone is is allowed and encouraged to enter into that space in a authentic and way when they are held and loved and, and respected uh, the intentionality there is important right and we and we have been you know the whole the whole jesus way journey you know all the all the work that we've done creating the curriculum for the jesus way the, the different modules we have all of that is based on us having both the faith in, but also the faith of Jesus Christ. Right. And it really leans heavily towards 
the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, because we, our world, I think it's always needed, but our world now is in desperate need yes. of people who manifest the same kind of love in their life that Jesus manifested in his. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have been very forthright in, you know, in our uh, attacking patriarchy as a, you know, as a mode of being a man in the world, because patriarchy does not allow you to live out the faith of Jesus Christ, because no. you're automatically creating conditions to God's unconditional love. Yep. You're automatically setting yourself up as judge and judgment is God's alone, uh, you know, for the, for the people around us as to who, who, who's in, who's out, who can have power, who, who can't, uh, and so on. And so part of, part of the justification for what we do is really is the, with our men's ministry is the faith of Jesus Christ, having that kind of faith by which we live our lives and that, and, and helping other men discover living their lives with that kind of faith too. Right. Beliefs require you to salute or nod. Faith right. requires life and, 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 you know, requires you to live it out. And we're, we're trying to help men with our work, discover the absolute joy yeah. and the extraordinary blessing of, of living life as best as anyone can. Uh, you know, uh, in the kind of faith that Jesus modeled for us all, uh, you know, faith in God. And do I have faith in Jesus? Of course I do. It starts there. Right. Uh, but if it ends there, if it ends there, you get a kind of world that we're fighting against with the, you know, with right. all the, with all the different qualifiers and conditions about who, who we love, who we let in, et cetera. And, um, we're we're seeing we've talked about this before but we're seeing especially in our our nation but our in our world a resurgence yes of of um, people judging uh, others you know for gender uh, gender identity uh color of their skin uh education uh yeah. you know uh all kinds of all kinds of different uh, different scenarios that have always been present you know, that we right. thought we were making huge strides to overcome so that we can just embrace the tapestry of life that God created and see, right. it, see it in all of its glory. And, uh, you know, now we're wanting people to cut out certain colors of that tapestry. You know, they want, they want certain threads no longer to be included. And, uh, uh, and that, has to, that has to be addressed. It has to be pushed back against if right. you are a person who has faith in Jesus Christ, it's pretty hard to make an argument against that if you are operating through, you know, in the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. Uh, was in a recent conversation, which, you know, uh, was talking about the, you know, part of having the faith of Jesus is sometimes there are tables that need to be overturned. Yes. yes. Um, and, and, it is, it is, I believe, I, that we believe that it is our responsibility. It, it, it's our responsibility to take responsibility um, for, you know, uh, for doing that overturning. It doesn't, that doesn't rely on the, the least of these uh, people that are being excluded from the tables anyway. Right. That that responsibility lands squarely on the shoulders of those of us 
who are privileged to be at those tables to recognize that, wow, if somebody else isn't included, then there needs to be some changes here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we need to hear their voices too. Yeah. We and imagine experience them. And we both, we both have lived through where um, the room, the room essentially had all white male voices uh, that were trying to make determinations for a broader group of people. Right. And imagine, and we've also experienced, thank, thanks be to God, what it's like when you sit in those same rooms that now have, you know, a, a full representation of the people that God has created in there making those decisions. Yeah. And uh, speaking personally, I discover pretty quickly how dumb I am, <laughs> how, yep. how limited yeah. my worldview is. Right. And, right. uh, and how impoverished I have been and the people around me have, have been because I did not or could not or, or would not, whatever, allow for the, you know, for the broader experience uh, and, and, the, the, uh, and the more diverse voices to yeah. be shared in that context. And we both have been blessed to sit in those rooms and experience the power and the beauty and the wonder, yes. the absolute wonder of what happens when all the voices are given, are given an opportunity to speak. It changes everything. It does. I mean, it just changes everything. And it's magnificent. And, and it, again, there's not necessarily, um, I don't want to come at this with, with an attitude of judgment, but there's a growth and maturation process that happens within each of us. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. e even, uh, biologically, as we grow and mature, our worldview expands. Yes. As infants, all we think about is our own needs. As children, that expands towards you know, our family. And it gets a little bit larger as we enter adolescence. And as we get into adulthood, hopefully we are beginning to understand ourselves as part of a larger community. Um, and all of those phases are fine. They're necessary. They're, they're necessary. We need it. We can't go straight from being the only sense of attention, you know, the center of attention to seeing ourselves as part of a global, you know, uh, world. Yeah. We it's, just can't do that. It's um, a journey. But, you know, to kind of paraphrase off Paul, the idea is to be getting off the milk and getting into the meat and the yeah. and that is really uh requires us to see ourselves as part of a larger uh system a larger organism uh organization uh that where w the choices that i make do impact others and in ways that i cannot even fathom most of the time and part of that it's because we're fear we're afraid that the choices they make will affect will us. negatively impact me. Right. Well, right. we'll you know, we're, we'll kick me to the curb and leave me out. And so we fail to take the risk there. Right. We, why? We do not have faith in those individuals to, you yeah. know, to have what's in the best interest of the, of the community as a whole in mind, we don't trust the decisions that they would make. And so what do we do is that we shrink those Concentric, concentric circles of relationships is what you were describing. Right. Ago. We shrink those circles down to where, and every time we shrink them down, we eliminate somebody's in the circle. 
right. you know, because that's what it is. They're, they're walls that deny somebody access. And we shrink it down to just the people who look, think, act like us. And then, and then we use this as, as uh, the view. We use this. This is the view we want to impose right. upon everyone else around us because we think we have all the answers. Right. You know, and you can make those, most of those people who live in those worlds make a pretty great argument. Until, as long as they're only operating from the material that they have self-contained within that circle. Right, right. But the minute you start reintroducing all the other elements that have to be included, yeah. you know, and you know, you're an idiot if you don't think they have to be included. But, you know, if they have to be included, and then all of a yeah. sudden it requires, you know, requires faith and trust in the people you're letting in uh, for, for the whole system to work. And clearly... What we have seen for quite a while now in our system, in our you know, in, in our nation, is very intentional work. Yes. To to cut the trust threads that people and and faith threads that people have in one one and another, yeah. and uh, you know, lies and innuendos, uh, you know, false claims, um, you know, all, all that stuff is just rampant, and um, and you know, why why do people lie about other things? clearly to preserve and protect the, the scenario or the narrative they're trying to create. Right. And so, so all, you know, so we going back to faith where we started, you know, yes. Faith in God, having faith in, in Jesus Christ and having the faith of Jesus Christ is a journey one commits to make, to live, to live life, you know, in the manner of Jesus have to manifest the same kind of faith in God that Jesus manifested in God. And when we do that, there are certain elements that cannot be ignored. Right. It's unconditional love. Right. You have to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Anyone who has need. That's your neighbor. Right. <laughs> I mean, just simply put, but everyone is your neighbor. Yeah. Because everyone has need. And yeah. so, uh, so here, so, you know, that's, that's number one. And so I guess we better learn how we live together. Yeah. If, if we're going to be neighbors, uh, you know, on this journey. Right. And, uh, you know, I have to have faith and trust in your faith and trust in me. Right. It, the faithfulness, uh, especially having the faith of Jesus, uh, requires us to be loving. It requires us, I think, to then serve mm -hmm. our neighbors. Uh, you know, so the the beauty of um, these uh, foundational elements of men's ministry of of our identity as men of faith, as disciples men, is their interconnectedness and how they support one another in really building up this framework for our identity as followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our, our, all the work that we have done together, yes. you know, and we've been together, what, three years now, I think. Yeah. Yep. All the work, all the work that we have done, the curriculums that we have helped develop, have all had that particular goal in mind. Um, and it might be worth, before we conclude today, it might be worth uh, remind, letting people know that um, we have heard, uh, you know, the constructive criticism of of the curriculum, especially the basic Jesus Way Journey module, right. And uh, that we have been engaged in the last uh, what six months, I suppose, maybe longer. Yeah. Uh, in a in a rewrite to incorporate 
uh, a lot of the suggestions uh, that have come to us and things that we have identified ourselves that needed attention and that within the next, uh, well, hopefully the next couple of weeks, but certainly within the next month. Correct. Uh, we will have a revised, uh, newly revised uh, Jesus Way Journey materials ready uh, for people to, uh, to take a look at. And um, I think we both agree that the changes that we have incorporated into this have made it a far better ministry, much closer to what we had hoped to create at the beginning. Right. And uh, and because we don't work through publishers, we're not, you know, if there's not a printed piece right. is that, you know, good suggestions come. We have the ability to alter those and keep on going. And um, and so, again, this is it's been almost two, oh, a little over two years, I think now yes. since we first introduced that study. And, um, you know, it's it's time it's time for it to incorporate, you know, the the, re, the feedback we have received the good feedback we have received about yes. how to make it better. And so we've done that and it's close to being yeah. right. Yeah. I, I'm excited about um, being able to share that with, uh, with everyone and to, uh, to continue um, that cycle of, you know, let's, let's reflect and let's hear, hear that feedback some more, uh, you know, where are the, where are the growing edges right? in, in all of this? Uh, I think that is important and something that I, I know both you and I, um, are looking forward to, and um, I'm also looking forward to uh, some other curriculum that I know is nearing completion. Um, yes. So we're looking forward to being able to announce that uh, here in the fairly near future as well, um, as we continue to work uh, toward uh, creating the resources uh, to help you, to help local congregations and lo leaders in local congregations create vital life-giving ministry to and with uh, men of the church. Yeah. And I, I want us to close out today uh, because we're talking about the touchstones uh, of, you know, the of men's ministry for, uh, for disciples, men. I want to, I want to say one more time, my deep appreciation for the current executive committee we have that yes. make up, yes. that make up uh, the general conference of disciple men. They have worked hard to help us create a model, uh, you know, that will carry us uh, for the next several generations of, of disciples, men, leaders uh, yes. through, through our, through our office of disciples, men and uh, the disciples on missions. And um, it's the work has just been humbling yes. because the five touchstones that we are looking at, we've looked at three, but these five touchstones are, are the foundational pillars upon which we, these men, not us, the, right. these, these men wanted to make sure we're, we're in place as we, you know, recreate this organization. So it's, it's a much better model for the times in which we live. All, all of them, I think would be fair to say, uh, would be, would have been fairly comfortable with the model they were given. Right. And because of their faith, I want to say this clearly, because of their faith in us, their faith in each other, and the trust level that they've been able to develop in working, doing these kinds of things, together they were able to capture this new vision and own it yes. and claim yes. it as the right thing to do. That never would have happened if that, if that kind of faith, obviously in God through, and faith in Jesus Christ, 
but faith in each other and that trust in each other uh, did did not uh, congeal quickly. Right. For us to do the work that we did because we did all this work in a weekend. Right. And for me, this is the first time that I had been pers- I had personally met several of these individuals right. because of COVID. You had met all of them before, I think. I'd met several of them, most yeah. of them, but yeah. And, uh, and so again, the work that we did in such a short period of time, uh, it was spirit-led, yes. uh, it was faith-based. Uh, and uh, and uh, while all of us could, could find something that we wish was different in the, what, the final model, because that's the way it is, it's the way right. we, we are, the fact that we got all these guys to own you know, the changes that we are making to set us up for what we hope will be a really good, solid future in men's ministry was really something special. And I just want to thank each of those guys. I want, you know, Ron Petrick for his leadership as yes. our president, but to every man who was around those tables, uh, they did some, some really marvelous work. And it was a, wit- a witness to their faith that it could come. It was, it was a great, uh, great experience. And uh, let's close by uh, reminding everybody uh, and ourselves again of those five touchstones. Uh, we've covered three of them so far, loving, serving, and faithful. And yet to cover in future episodes, um, compassionate and Christ-like. So a disciple's man is loving, serving, faithful, compassionate, and Christ-like. Greg, thank you again for your time today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon on another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through DisciplesHomeMissions.org.